0: He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Hallelujah. Amen. Matthew 2, 10 to 16. Just don't go yet, Sammy. Um, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, when he, uh, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what, uh, what the Lord said through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod realized that he had been tweeted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned uh, from the Magi. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Amen. I just want us to uh, uh, thank God for his healing and just bless him. Is that okay? Why don't we just pray for him as a community? Lord, thank you for Sammy, and, and we, we celebrate the healing of his back, and, and Father, we ask you to multiply healing both through him and in this community. So Sammy, be bold enough to pray for the sick. And we bless you in the transitions that the Lord is leading you through. And we speak joy over you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, you may be seated. Thank you very much. Um, Oh, (laughs) it should have happened as we were reading scripture. This is amazing. I love just how natural things are falling in place. Sorry for holding you longer. Um, See, so this is the season of Advent, the couple of weeks leading up to Christmas. We've just lit the candle of uh, hope. Uh, Last weekend, we lit the candle of peace. And today, we light the candle of joy. Advent, the word just means the coming. Yeah, oops. The word just means the coming. Yet you know it, it, the reality is the 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 time leading up to uh the coming of jesus the celebration of the coming of jesus is filled with waiting and that's what we have been talking about um so you have angels being sent across uh, e, uh, uh judea and they are s- they are heralding, they're proclaiming the coming of the King. The promises that God has made, this is the time He will fulfill them. That's what they're saying. And, and, and so they're raising an expectation, even around things that may look impossible. We started with a story of, of uh, uh, couples that were around 70 years old. And they were told, your prayers have been answered. Which prayers? The ones I made when I was 20? But here is, here is the Lord saying, hey... Everything I promised, I keep my promises. Your prayers have been answered. It's also an invitation to believe in the miraculous. To, uh, you know, to, to ask God to do what He only He can do will, will require that you believe that God will keep His promises. But it will also require that you, you have a, a worldview that has space for the miraculous. The things, the things God wants to do will not happen in your timeline, uh, will not happen as you expect them. It will, it will it require that we believe in the miraculous. Um, for the kingdom of God can break at any moment. Any ordinary moment can be a kingdom moment. It's like a virgin getting pregnant. That's a crazy story. Let's be honest. I know some of us have been, church for so many, been in church for so many years. But you know what? That's a crazy story. For us to accept that story, for Joseph to live out that story, for Mary to live out that story, they had to create space in their lives to allow God to move and to have space for the miraculous. So last week, I I, I remember just telling us that if we're going to have peace in our lives, kingdom peace, it's possible that you may think you have peace, but that's just because you're living your life according to to the culture of our world. You're doing the things everybody else is doing. So there is really is no uh, um, uh, crisis. So that's the peace that the world gives. Sadly, it doesn't last. It doesn't last. That's why after living uh, your life the way the, the rest of the world does, you wake up with a hangover and you keep saying, I should never really do this again. That's why after living your, world, uh, your life the way the world says, you wake up going, oh, how did I end up in this bed? That's why after living your life the way the world does, you go, ah, now I need a loan, right? The peace the world offers doesn't last too long. The coming of the king and for us to accept the kingdom of God is disruptive because because it won't go as you, you wanted it to go. You see, it disrupts all other kingdoms. The truth is there's always a king on the throne, the question is who? There's always a king on the throne. The question is who? When, when Jesus was being born, when the king of kings was coming, Herod was on the throne. He was threatened. He tried to kill the king. And, and so the Bible says that he and all of Jerusalem were, 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 were unhappy. They were concerned. Why? Because the wealth, the prosperity, and the positions they were enjoying were because of the order that was. Every time there's a new king coming, the king that is there feels threatened. That's why every time uh, there's, a, there's a change of government in any country, you see people from the old order trying to get their, their, their things right. They, they, they start meeting this new president or king saying, okay, please protect me. Every, every four years, we see formations in our country Right, because uh, these, these people who are enjoying the order of the day are trying to make sure they don't lose their power and the government changes. It's the same thing that happens in our lives. A new king is a threat to the system, to the old system, the, the economic system, the justice system, the social structure. Every time a regime changes, every time God becomes king in your life, it will threaten the things that have been, the idols that have been king. So the kingdom of God is disruptive. And therefore, it disrupts the old order. And therefore, only he can give kingdom peace. And that is the only peace that lasts. That's why Jesus said, my peace I give you. But it's not going to look like the peace of the world. When you decide to follow Jesus, he becomes Lord over your life. It's not the other way around. And in that moment, you move from the back of spiritual warfare and you come to the front. In that moment... The, uh, he becomes a threat to the idols that decided how you spend your money. He becomes a threat to the, to, the, to the idols that decided how you spend your time. He becomes a threat to the brokenness from which you led your relationships from. Uh, and, he become, uh, the, the, and he's a threat to, 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 to your flesh and how you have bowed to it and did everything it asked you to. Jesus becomes Lord. Every other kingdom must fall. That's disruptive. We often invite people to Jesus, great, because we need to. We don't tell the whole story, oh, by the way, it will fix a lot of things in your life because your soul will, get, will begin to get healing, oh, and it will cause a lot of trouble in your life because it will disrupt your old system. Consumerism and greed can no longer be our Lord's if Jesus is Lord. Tim Keller, pastor in... Um, New York, says that he's been pastoring for decades, and he he says that he's heard all types of confessions. Anything you can think about, someone has gone to this pastor and said, I've done that. Sadly, very few people ever confess to greed, which unfortunately is a driver of many modern lives. And you see it explode around Christmas. And sometimes we want to think, oh, greed is for the wealthy and the, and the powerful. But so many of us in all situations, our lives are rent by stuff. What we want, what we don't have, what we can afford. We, we want the next thing. It's like, I want it. So many of us don't realize how cons- consumerism and greed, uh, greed uh, is often uh, what is leading our lives. When Jesus becomes Lord, that has to bow. That has to go. And you know, um, there's nothing wrong with wealth. I, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with desiring wealth. Uh, rather, I'm calling us to a different order of our desires. The problem is, human beings, because of our brokenness, we love the wrong things. And even when we love the right things, we love them in the wrong order. Right? So what happens is when Jesus becomes king, those things begin to be reordered in our lives. So the old system is threatened. We cannot sing, joy to the world, let earth receive her king, and then we hold on to the reins of power. There can only be one king on the throne. There can only be one king on the throne. So... Our, par- our, our parties cannot be filled with, with greed and excess, just like those of those who are not be- believers. What's the difference then? No wonder our mornings are just as terrible uh, the, the, the day after as everybody else's. We cannot say, let earth receive her king, and then we, we, you know, we, we just drink just as much as, as, as those who don't believe and engage in debauchery just like them. And it, there can only be one king. And it threatens the old systems that there are. We've got to surrender to the lordship of Jesus. And I think this struggle gets worse around Christmas. I honestly think this struggle gets around Christmas. Why? The whole whole body of Christ across the world is celebrating the coming of the king. But every time the king comes, there's a clash of kingdoms. The world has built its own kingdom. The world has worshipped other things, and so around Christmas, uh, all these things get propped up. The consumerism, the greed, you can have this too. We've halved the prize, and buy three, get two free, and we just think, yes, Christmas is about the gifts, it's about the drinking, it's about the party, it's all of this, right? It gets worse around Christmas because we keep proclaiming that the king has come, and so the enemy is going to prop up his kingdom, and the clash just gets worse. And I think it gets worse even in ourselves, right? Because there's always a struggle in our heart. Yes, Jesus is king, but, but the old self keeps trying to rear up its head and saying, oh, but we used to do things this way. But if you do it, this way, if you do it different this Christmas, your family will reject you. You know, there's a, there's a battle inside us, especially around Christmas. When you choose to make Jesus your Lord, you open yourself up to the disruption of his kingdom, and he will tear down all other thrones, and you will notice. Um, I I was walking uh, one afternoon last week, and I just realized there are things that I used to really love that I just don't care about anymore. There are things that even bound me before that I'm just like, when did that stop? Because Jesus begins to tear down all other kingdoms. You will notice in your heart That other kings are fighting, but they're falling. But also, people around you will notice. You will become acutely aware that Joseph and Mary, on the first Christmas season, you know, by that I mean the the celebration of their baby coming to to the world, probably did not have chapati and Coca-Cola and chicken. They probably... Didn't have that. Because you know why? The next village, Herod's horses. They're coming to kill the baby. There's no time for a party. When you receive Jesus as king, you will notice that the world around you will start pushing back. That's why they don't invite you to the party anymore. Because they think you're a killjoy. That's why your family's like, ah... Do we really want him to come for Christmas? Because you're no longer the same person. And that conflict is real. And the peace we have can only come from trusting that God is faithful to keep his promises. The only way we will have peace, one, I think it's supernatural, it's a gift from the Father. And two, We've got to learn to trust that God will keep His promises. Two, uh, three, we've got to be open to God doing very unusual things around us and in us. You cannot fight this battle alone. We've got to be open to God doing very unusual things around us and in us. So Jesus keeps saying, peace I will give you, I promise. But it's not going to be like the world gives so I keep inviting us to just open ourselves and surrender to the peace He can give. So anyway, all this is happening, right? Mary, uh, Mary, uh, Joseph wakes up and tells Mary, uh, "Herod is going to try kill our baby." That's panic mode right there. So we've got to go to Egypt. That's another thing. What? Obviously, they would have to join a caravan. All these things. Anyway. Mary then writes a song. The song Sammy read in this morning is called the Magnificat, the the song of Mary. So I'm a songwriter. I know, strange. But I don't write, I'm I'm not as prolific as George. George writes songs, you know, he's just drinking coffee. "Mm, Eddie, what do you think of this? I'm like, wow. I particularly write songs when I'm sad. No, (laughs) no, no, no. (laughs) Oh, this morning is just, <laughs> that was not a song written by me. <laughs> I, I write songs when I'm sad, and they're very, very good. I could say so myself. I know I shouldn't blow my own trumpet. Don't worry. I, I know they're good, eh? Um, but they're also very dark because I'm writing when I'm sad. So, no, not, not all of them. Some of them are very dark. I'm like, I could never sing this one somewhere, anywhere, you know? I've been learning to actually, in those moments, you know, write psalms as, as a worship to the Father. Uh, the th- uh, scientists are, are beginning to say that they think uh, music developed before speech. There's something that music does to us. It just gets right in there. And then when speech comes along and you can write a song, put, put words to, to music, that's the reason why sometimes you hear a song and you just go, ah, oh. why? It's saying something your heart has needed to say for a long time. Finally, words to your soul. That's how beautiful uh, the power of music is. That's all good. But I'm surprised at the song Mary writes. Let's look at it. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For all, from now, all generations will call me blessed. What are you talking about? Mary, Herod wants to kill your child. What are you talking about rejoicing? I struggle with that word right there. I was like, uh... Some moments are easy to find rejoicing. Some moments are easy to find joy. This doesn't look like one of those moments, does it? You know, I'm I'm imagining that she's writing this song in between the burn and joining the caravan as they're running for their lives, right? They're just packing up whatever they have which was mostly nothing because, you know, it's, they couldn't pack the hay for, from the animals. Anyway, you know, they're packing up whatever they have and beginning to run. And she's on the camel. I don't care how big and buff Joseph was. I don't think he could scare Herod, Herod, Herod's people. And then Mary sat on the donkey. Is this writing? My soul glorifies the Lord. My soul rejoices in God, my Savior. What are you talking about? You see, here's the other thing. Uh, Generations will call you blessed. Do you know how many people knew Mary's name? Most probably only the villagers from where she came from. All generations? What are you talking about? Then salvation has come. We're talking about a baby, a helpless baby. Salvation does not come through babies. There's a system. There's a temple for when we need to worship. And there's a king for when we need to fight. What are you talking about? How do we find joy in this space? Fast forward 30 years later when Jesus, Jesus lived most of his life in the obscurity. We forget that. 30 years. We know nothing about Jesus' life. We just hear his birth, 12 years old, silent. Oh, and then out of obscurity comes Jesus. And even after 30 years of obscurity, he begins his journey. Do you know who cared about Jesus' life? Not the powers that be. Rome didn't care. Rome only got concerned when there was fear that there would be riots. Now, Rome came to bow, that's for sure. Right? The church is planted in Rome. Everything turns around. Now the Roman Empire is dead. The church still grows. So yes, Rome will still bow. But at that moment, the powers that be didn't care. Three years of ministry. Then Jesus is murdered. This doesn't, this doesn't look like the king we're expecting. This doesn't look like a story that should inspire joy. But here Mary says, I have joy. I rejoice in the Lord. See, Jesus is quite the unexpected king. The way the kingdom comes is not how we often expect it. There's this whole fanfare, angels, and uh, you know, the, the sky is open, and angel, uh, uh, people are having babies. There's all this fanfare, and then it's a baby. That's not how you expect a king to come. Right? Merry Christmas. See, Jesus is quite the unexpected king. When, when magicians from, from the East Uh, uh, through divination probably realized oh this star means that a king has been born in Bethlehem when they realized that and went all the way to Jerusalem uh, to Jerusalem in Israel to Jerusalem to find the king they stopped at the palace because that's where you expect kings to be born he wasn't there what instead he's born in a burn Merry Christmas When the Prince of Peace comes, I mean, peace is in the title. Babies are murdered. Quite the unexpected king. Merry Christmas. When the Holy One comes, finally God has come to Israel. Do you know who the first people to worship Him are? Shepherds. Before they went in, they had to make sure they've tied their sheep. Those are the first people to worship God when He came to us. Quite the unexpected king. Merry Christmas. See, if you're doing sport pesa in this season, you wouldn't bet on this baby, would you? It doesn't quite look right. doesn't look quite right. That's better. Then Jesus grows up. And he finally enters Jerusalem. This is the center of power for Israel. This is where the kings are. This is where the temple is. This is where you you anoint kings, isn't it? And then Jesus is finally the king of kings. The one who came to save the world. The one who came to take the throne of David. He's coming. He's entering Jerusalem triumphantly. He's entering on a donkey. Merry Christmas. And he did get crowned, but it was thorns instead of gold. Merry Christmas. Let's just be acutely aware of what this season is about. When we keep saying the king has come, that's the kind of king we're talking about. And like I said, Rome will still bow. Rome bowed to this move of the kingdom that started, but even that wasn't the plot. Even that was was just—it's a side—it's—it's a—it's a side piece, because the kingdom didn't stop there. You see, Jesus—Jesus Jesus warned that when people come and tell you, "Oh, the kingdom is there," or "the kingdom is here," don't pay attention to them because the kingdom of God is in your heart. What was Jesus saying? That the whole point has always been. That God's kingdom would reign in people's hearts, and inch by inch, all of creation would be covered by the goodness of God. That's what's happening. It's not about bishops being presidents. And sometimes politicians have just figured out hey, if we could tell Christians that we are very good believers, then they will vote for us. That's never the point. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote and people who believe in God. That, I'm saying let's be careful to not marry politics, uh, that brand of politics with our faith. Let's be very careful because the, the goal has always been that the kingdom of God would reign in people's hearts one person after the other and soon all of creation including presidents and kings will be covered uh with the, will become under the kingdom of God that was the goal and this has this is what has been happening and this is what it looks like this is God's kingdom come you and me sitting here forgiven of all our sin merry christmas it's 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 when we pray for the sick and the kingdom of God breaks through and they get healed. That's the kingdom of God come now. It's when you feed the hungry one person, one family at a time. That's the kingdom of God come. It's when people get freed from demonic oppression. It's people gathered here from every tongue, tribe, and nation. That is God's kingdom come. And indeed one day when Jesus comes back, he's coming as a victorious king and the government is indeed on his shoulders. Yet the goal has always been for you to receive the kingdom of God in your heart and join him in what he is doing. So often what people expect of God's kingdom, you know, it's... uh, For for Israel, it it was a far cry from what Christmas looks like today. So how could Mary find joy? If you read the rest of Mary's song, she keeps talking of God's promises of the future as if they're true right now. She decides to pick God's version of reality over her own. If you are going to find true joy, there are two narratives you're being invited to. The narrative God is telling or the narrative your family is telling. The narrative God is telling or the narrative that this county is telling. The narrative God is telling or the narrative your flesh is telling. The narrative God is telling or the narrative your mind is telling. Mary finds joy because she picks the narrative of God and says exactly what the angel said. You will be called blessed. And so she goes around on a donkey in a caravan headed to Egypt. Oh, I am blessed among women. What? Doesn't look like it. Oh, but my father says so. What narrative are you going to pick? You know, we can only find joy when, when, when we receive God says, what God says about our circumstances. Now, I used to say that, oh, joy is despite our circumstances. It's not the feeling about the moment. No, it's that too, right? We've got to learn to feel joy. It's a gift from God. And, I, you know, I, I think God gives us gifts in good times and in bad times. God gives joy in good times and in bad times. But joy is a very difficult feeling for human beings to accept. One of the harder ones. Think about it. Every time something good is happening to you, what do most people do? What do we ask ourselves? When is it all going to change? Or we go, oh, I can't tell anyone that I got a new job. I'll jinx it. We are so afraid of choosing joy it's okay to receive the Father's joy when we can see the promises being fulfilled. I think there were there were moments, there were moments where it was easier for Mary to find joy. One, she received a promise that she'll have a child. The moment she held that child in her hands, I'm sure she found joy. Those are easier moments. Receive the joy. Receive joy when God when you can see the fulfillment of God's promises. Then there are harder moments. There are harder moments. When they're running away, it's harder to choose joy then. When they hear that babies are being killed, it's harder to choose joy then. Those are the moments she has to make a decision to practice joy. Joy isn't just a feeling, joy isn't just a gift from God, it's also a practice that we must learn to do. God is joyful. God is joyful, and He gives this as a gift because He delights in us. You see, when, when people came to worship uh, the baby, that was easy for Mary to choose joy. Like, ah! Uh, the angel said, this is, go- this is going to be the Savior of Israel. That's why they're here worshiping. When the Magi brought gold, like, ah! Uh, we're going to pay for his entire school. We've got gold. That was easier to choose joy. There are moments in your life in which it, uh, where, where it'll be easier to choose joy because you're seeing the promises of God break through. When we pray for the sick and we see healing, it's easier to choose joy. Let's not forsake it. Choose joy. This Christmas season, your family will have a party. You will see people you haven't seen in a while. Delight in it. Don't go, oh, what could go wrong? Just enjoy it. Enjoy it. If you're an African man, remember to tell your family the part of the chicken that is, is, belongs to you. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the gift of the Father now. Yet I also think there's end year grief that people are not aware of. As the year comes to an end, and things slow down, we'll release our team so they'll have a lot of time to not be distracted. If they don't jump into any distractions, if you don't jump into any distractions, you'll become aware of the things that you expected that didn't come to pass, right? You'll become aware of your disappointment even in God. Because you're the Prince of Peace, but my life has had so much crisis since I say yes. Become aware of those moments. God griefs grieves too. Honor that grief if you're going to choose joy. Now last week I said, you know, we, we've got to learn anything, the the most unfulfilled relationships are those where, because we all have expectations, right? are those where people come with expectations and they become demands on you. Randy, you did not greet me this morning. Like, I could have an expectation that he does because he's my friend, but when it becomes a demand, that becomes a problem, doesn't it? See, I invited us to a place of expectation. Let's expect that God will move in our lives. Open your eyes and your senses and go, God, where are you moving? Could we pray for the sick today? Will you provide today? Father, where are you? We want to do what you're doing. What are you doing with that person? What are you doing with, with, with my spouse? What are you doing with our children? Lord, what are you doing? We want to join you. Be filled with expectation of the kingdom of God. Then surrender your agenda. The king has come. The king has indeed come, but he's a baby. We've got to surrender our agenda. The king has indeed come, but he's not in the palace. Instead, he's in a manger. We've got to surrender our agenda. The king is being worshipped, but first by disrespected shepherds. But the king has come nonetheless. The prince of peace has come, but Jerusalem is full of tears. But the king has come nonetheless. Jesus is the unexpected king. Where have you seen the kingdom of God come in your life? Before you get distracted by how you expected it to look like, where has the kingdom come in your life? Where has the kingdom broken through in your life? So for where God has shown up, receive that joy and receive it with gratitude. So many people don't realize gratitude is what multiplies. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, what did Jesus do? He gave thanks. When Jesus uh, was doing the, the, uh, 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 the Passover dinner that we ha- receive as holy, uh, the communion meal, what did Jesus do? He gave thanks. Gratitude is what multiplies. We've got to learn to give gratitude for God has shown up. And then we have to be honest about where we're disappointed. We have to be honest that we thought the king would be in the palace. We have to be honest that we thought this was the year that you would show up like this, Father. We have to be honest and say that, Lord, we thought you would save this marriage. We have to be honest and say, Lord, I thought you would heal me this year. We have to be honest and say, this was my agenda, and I give it back to you. See, joy is also a practice, and, and so Uh, And I'm inviting us to step into into it. And we, you know, every time we use the word practice here, I often tell you it's because we are not yet good at it. If you're trying to learn guitar, you practice because you're not yet good at it. You want to get better. So we don't know yet how to choose joy, but practice each moment. And some of that looks like when you are in a joyful place, decide to step into joy. Don't be sulking at the back. You know what? God, you're here. Everybody's celebrating. I'll choose joy. Put away as much sadness as you can. Who among you, Jesus would ask, by worrying, has added a single day to their lives? None of you. Neither have I. So, choose joy. And this is one of the reasons the church cannot function without the Holy Spirit. This is one of the reasons you cannot do this life of faith without the Holy Spirit. Only He can help us navigate the tension of the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Paul says of the Holy Spirit, that He's been given to us as a down payment for our inheritance. Because the reality is, some of the promises that God has made, we haven't received yet. Some of our inheritance that God has made and it's ours, we haven't received yet. So you know what? The Holy Spirit, He is a down payment for the redemption that God has brought and is bringing. He helps us sit in the tension of the now and the not yet of the kingdom. You can count on God to keep His promises. I keep, I keep the Sabbath every weekend. And um, and sometimes the week is just heavy. Either it's conflict or something isn't working out or I'm very broke or, uh, or I'm sad, whatever. I, I've made a habit of making sure I don't care... Like, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't deal with that stuff on the Sabbath. It's like, it's okay. I can deal with it later. Of course it comes up. Our brains are always busy. In every moment I go, no, it's okay. I know that that's falling apart, but I can deal with it later. This is me learning myself, teaching myself to choose joy and delight in the Father. This is how we practice the Father's joy. It's okay. Father, I can live it in your hands because you keep your promises. I want to invite us to again share in groups of threes like we did last weekend, and then we'll pray for each other and we'll close. So please be in in triads with people sitting next to you. Um, And here are the three things I just want... So don't do a sermon, okay? Don't do a sermon to each other so that each person gets the opportunity to speak. And two, two, don't do a Christianese answer. It's like, oh, I feel like Christians should say this. Just be honest. We are in our Father's house. So the first question is, Where are you struggling to find joy? In this season, where are you struggling to find joy? The second question, and there on the screen, where has God shown up for you mostly this year and you want to give gratitude for? The last one, what promises of God are you holding on to?